0: Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Be sure to check out The Contrarians on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud, and don't forget about our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Be sure to keep up with the pretentious ramblings of Alex and Julio on Twitter, at JamesAlexMattis, and at Ovnio. That's O V N I O. Time for the podcast. all right, welcome to the third year of The Contrarians Podcast. Myself, Alex Mattis, and my counterpart, Julio Oliveira. Three years, Julio. Three years. We've
1: watched, I guess, not counting bonus episodes, we've done 46 movies. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. We we put in the
0: hours. Fortunately, we still have plenty to go.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. We we can't stop at least until we get to the the Fame 500.
0: Jesus, <laughs> we've got to get to 50 first off, and that's going to be a feat in of itself. Yeah, for American Hustle. That's
1: this is this is the episode where we we just convince ourselves that we can do it. Mm-hmm. So we can we can make it to American Hustle. Yeah, um, but also I think we've earned. Just a little pat on the back, like we did last year, where we just we just congratulate ourselves on a job well done, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we also congratulate certain people and certain movies yeah. that we've talked about.
0: Much like last year for our second anniversary, we're giving out our awards again, the Embrys and the Cannies. Uh, of course, the Ethan Embry Award representing the Mark character in Empire Records, in which Despite his surroundings, he gave it all.
1: Yeah. Ethan Ethan Embry gave us all in Empire Records. He was determined to make a mark. hmm A mark.
0: Well played. <laughs> and then the candy, obviously, representing Scott Kahn in our uh, first WrestleMania bonus episode about Ready to Rumble, which... Nothing about that movie was going right from the get-go, but out of all the people involved, no one could have given any less of a shit than Scott Kahn did. Yes,
1: like we joked at the time, you could almost feel like right before you cut to him and every shot, he he's just putting his phone away because he was checking his texts right before he, he had to speak his lines.
0: <laughs> so, Embry good. Can bad?
1: Yeah, and, and we're adding a new wrinkle this year.
0: Apparently, Julio's adding a new wrinkle here. and <laughs> I'm going to let him navigate through that when the time comes. Uh but we'll start off, uh, We like we did last year, we'll do actor, actress, and movie, correct?
1: Correct. Okay.
0: So we'll go ahead and start off with actor, and uh, we'll just lead this off with the, the canny. Uh, I'll kick us off here. Um, my honorable mention for the canny award, uh, and I'll let us also cover, this covers our past year. So from that thing you do up until Zero Dark Thirty. That is correct. Okay. So not our whole run. Just the past year. The runner-up for the canny from Alex goes to Jai Courtney for A Good Day to Die Hard.
1: You don't think that he was giving us all in that movie? You don't think that
0: he, he... I don't know what he was doing, but it was terrible. <laughs> he,
1: he certainly did not live up to the, the stand i be good
0: in other things.
1: Right. And I think maybe it's just a little bit of uh, Bruce Willis not caring and that infected the entire crew.
0: It's funny you say that because my award for the canny for the third year of the Contrarians goes to Bruce Willis for a good day to die hard.
1: Uh, Yeah, I can totally see that. Jake Corny, I don't know. I can can cut him some slack. We don't know what's on the cutting room floor.
0: I think it's just because I've seen him be better in things. It's it's all bad. Yes. Uh, I mean, not to say there's not a lot of other things we've covered that uh, doesn't deserve some aspect of that, but... Uh, I just it was immediately what came to mind and reading over our past year I mean Mike Douglas is a bit questionable in a chorus line
1: uh, I completely agree with you about Bruce Willis I mm-hmm. I think in his case it's worse because he's this self-proclaimed protector of the franchise and he's just sleepwalking through this the latest movie so mm-hmm. yeah he gets a candy uh, on your end and that's fine with me I have two runner-ups for mine and um, The first runner up is David McLean from the Glow documentary. Because. Interesting. Yeah, well, he didn't even fucking show up to the movie. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) okay. Talk about not giving a shit. Like, he didn't even care to defend himself.
0: Which (laughs) he was vilified. (laughs)
1: Right. He's uh, rightly vilified. He could have, he had his chance and he just turned down the request for interviews. Um, My second runner up is Danny Trejo on Reindeer Games. Reindeer Games. Because oh, yeah. they really neutered him, and yeah. I don't know how much is him and how much is just the director uh, or the script, but really that is not hashtag not my Danny Trejo <laughs> in Reindeer Games. I will give my Connie to somebody you just mentioned, Mike Douglas, in a chorus line. Okay, because you can't be in a musical and not sing. And Mike Douglas somehow weaseled himself out of singing. And there's
0: so many parts where you think he's about to sing. Right.
1: And then he just kind of turned to the director and said, uh, this is not happening. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. This is where we cut. <laughs> so uh, despite his massive sex appeal and uh, his uh, dream sequence where he comes out of nowhere with a robe and a cigar, I I just don't think that he was into it anywhere near as much as everybody else mm-hmm. in the in that movie. I think, in a way, it might have been a little bit of uh method acting because in that movie, everybody's tr- is trying their hardest mm-hmm. to impress him, and he feels like he has he doesn't have to impress anyone, and maybe that bled over into his actual performance
0: but it, yeah, it hurts so much of it because it's like it feels like everyone else is giving this like just die hard effort, and he's <laughs> right. just uh like, oh, Mike Douglas.
1: Like 90% of the movie, he's sitting down on a chair just watching people dance and answer his questions. And
0: smoking his little skinny cigars. Yeah.
1: And then sometimes he's even in the shadows. So we don't know if it's him or if it's just his stunt double. And he just came in to record the the dialogue later. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm giving him the Connie.
0: Okay. So the Embry, I've got a couple runner-ups on this. Um, Runners up? Runner-ups.
1: No, I think it's runners up. Runners? I, I, I don't know why. That's the zero It's your language. Okay. I, I just speak it.
0: Your second. My first. <laughs> my native tongue. Uh, the Embry for Best Actor. The runner-up uh, category has a few nominees or a few uh, honorable mentions, as it were. Uh, Ernest Borgnine in <laughs> The Wild Bunch, just because he's fucking awesome. He's Ernest Borgnine? Yeah, there's no way around it. He's just a man. <laughs> um, Gary Sinise. In Reindeer Games, you want to talk about a guy who gave his all for a yes. shit project? <laughs> uh, there are a couple scenes in that where it's just like, man, this guy's really going for it. Chris Pine in This Means War. Granted, he's just Chris Pine, but it works perfectly.
1: He he did not... He's not bitter that they just asked him to play the Chris Pine role. No. He, he goes for it.
0: Uh, but my Embry, for doing the most with what he was giving, goes to uh, Fred Ward for... Uh, the player.
1: Remind me who he is in The Player.
0: Fred he, Ward? Fred Ward. Character actor Fred Ward. He, oh, I know who
1: Fred Ward is. I just don't remember him in The Player.
0: He's the one that basically learns before anyone else what uh, Tim Robbins has done and basically goes over how to cover it up for him and everything. Oh,
1: he's the yeah. He's the cleaner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I forgot that he was in it. Yeah. Holy cow. Because
0: he has... And Fred Ward is just that. He's a character actor. Right. He's never really been given much. And what little he's given in that, it was one of the more memorable performances we've covered over the past year. I,
1: I like it. I like it. Deep cut. <laughs> I have, once again, two runners up. Uh, my first one is uh, Radivodzibukvik, maybe? We, we just can't stay away from a good day to thy heart. He nope. played uh, the guy that I I dubbed Russian Xander. Uh, he's basically the not the main bad guy in a good day to die hard but certainly the most memorable he's the guy that's that's quipping in russian and just uh the guy that does some tap dancing yeah. w- after he captures the only truly bad guy <laughs> seen in that yeah. yes uh he is certainly having a blast and i kind of feel bad because maybe he thought that this performance this movie would be his crossover vehicle to america mm-hmm. and then he would be cast in other movies and but i mean as far as i can tell uh, that oh, didn't, nice. n- didn't quite work out. The only person that survived a good day to the heart was maybe Bruce Willis. Well, Jai Corney, I guess. He still had a few chips left after that one. But but yeah, Russian Sanders deserves a mention. Uh, my other runner-up, Mark Maron from the Glow TV show. Okay. Because I think I like the show. We both like the show. But I think Maron was easily the highlight there. Yeah. Uh, having a lot of fun as the coked-out, burned-out director. Yeah. Uh. So what if he's just playing Mark Maron? It's it, <laughs> it's still fun, but I'm gonna give the Embry to a uh, to a favorite of ours, Jason eaten Bateman. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> even though we have Ethan Embry as one, you know, in that thing you do, eligible, yeah. eligible. But no, Jason Bateman in Juno, uh, which we had disagreements about Juno. Yeah, but I think we all agreed, you, me, and Reed, that Bateman was just fantastic. Yeah, and creepy as hell. But, but he pulls it off. It's just like, it's it's a Jason Bateman type, but with a little spice on it. Yeah. And uh, I, I really like it. I think that every scene he's in, every line he delivers, he's just dynamite. Uh, he's really, uh, I think everybody's giving their best in that movie, but Bateman certainly comes out on top yeah
0: no any of the shortcomings of that is the writing and delivery uh all the acting in that is superb but yeah he definitely captivates and steals whatever scene he's in yeah i think he
1: he we talked about him the most in that episode
0: yeah oh absolutely and whenever i think about that movie now for whatever reason the first thing that comes to mind is when he's trying to cover his tracks (laughs) and he's like just a little hormonal
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh he's so good
0: all right. I still
1: have. I don't know if you've seen me use it, but I I looked it up online and I screen capped that a picture of him when he's looking at the at the painting or at the pain, you know Jennifer Garner showing him the two different shades of, yeah. of yellow and he's just his arms are crossed and he's looking at the at the wall <laughs> and he's completely disinterested. And uh, I use it as a response every now and then.
0: <laughs> uh, excellent. Good choices. Good good discussion. Uh, moving along into our powerful females, our actresses and not so powerful. Um, so we'll start again with the, the Connie for uh, the canny, as it were, for the most underwhelming worst actri- actress performances. <laughs> I really, I just couldn't help myself from just personal animosity bleeding over into it. Uh, runner up, Leslie Mann for This Is 40. <laughs>
1: Dude, I after that enlightening, what, two hour conversation we had about This Is 40, you still blame her for the movie? no. Where-
0: I don't blame her for anything. I just think her character will, character is very unlikable, and she's good at it. <laughs> the canny for the uh, worst actress performance in the third year of The Contrarians uh, was really no competition at all. Ronda Rousey and Entourage was just <laughs> god-awful.
1: Well, uh, let me tie in because she's my runner-up. Oh, okay. And, and yeah, I think that she is – and I don't have any personal issues with Ronda Rousey, <laughs> but <laughs> – her her brief appearance in the Entourage movie proves that she's not an actress. No, I mean, I don't know what she's like as a fighter or whatever. But she's basically, she's supposed to be playing herself. And even that comes across as stilted and fake. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it could be that she Much didn't. like her whole fighting career. <laughs> it's all hype. It could be that she didn't care. Or it could be that she just really didn't have the chops to, to really pull it off. But it's pretty bad when you're looking stilted, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the Entourage movie. It's yeah. not like, you know, everybody's kind of the, fucking Entourage around in that movie. Entourage is not <laughs> known
0: for its, you know, Brando esque performances. <laughs> right.
1: And uh, so, yeah, she kind of sticks out as uh, a uh, sore thumb. I have one other runner up on my Connie's, and that's uh, Chelsea Handler in This Means War. because Ooh, yeah, good one. She really doesn't. Uh, she gets a few scenes, but I never thought she was particularly funny. But she's supposed to be playing the funny best friend. Mm-hmm. It's it's the archetype, and she's cast. I mean, she's a well known comedian, so you would expect her to be funny. But instead, it's just it's just bland. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon is funnier than her. Chris Pine is funnier than her. Uh, Tom Hardy,
0: ironically, ironically, in, in, yeah.
1: I mean, Tom Hardy is more amusing than her. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I would like to think that she is funnier in other projects, but for some reason I just didn't translate in this one. But I'm going to give Dick Connie to Frances McDormand in Ian Flux.
0: Oh, goddamn, I didn't even think about that.
1: It, it's kind of a disgrace to her because she's such a good actress. To be it, fair,
0: she's only in it for like two minutes.
1: Right, but it's like I, I'm almost angry that she took the role to begin with and also that she didn't put a stop to it the moment that they gave her that wig. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just seems such a terrible misjudgment <laughs> to take that part and then to just go through with it and play it uh, it just like we said at the time in that episode it's not like anybody else could have played could have pulled it off mm-hmm. and if somebody was going to pull it off to some degree it would have been francis mcdormand but it's still pretty bad yeah she's just behind that her brave platform. wig yes it just it's just so bad and in in a movie that has a lot of bad stuff going for it uh she fails to do what Pete Possilway did <laughs> with an equally ridiculous costume more and makeup. So. Yeah, more <laughs> so. So, so uh, yeah, she gets my Connie.
0: Okay, so my Embry for Best Actress, I've got a couple um, runner-ups, runners-up uh, with Diane Wiest is Helen St. Clair. Of course. From Bullets Over Broadway. Uh, she was absolutely fantastic in that. She's also, as I mentioned on She's the Airbnb, your girl. Yeah, one of my favorite actresses, if not the... Um, Nicole Kidman in Bewitched, because, again, you assholes all led me <laughs> to believe. he fed me a bunch of bullshit saying that movie was bad. He didn't see it coming. No, uh, and genuinely, she, like, really gives an effort in that.
1: She's, yeah, she comes out, at least, it seemed to me, she comes out of her comfort zone. And
0: Yeah, yeah. that's probably why it spoke to me so much for her sake. Uh, but number one, interesting you picked Mark, uh, because I turned the other, uh, The coin over there with Vanessa and I I went with uh, Jennifer Garner for my Embry um, from Juno because all joking aside, Jennifer Garner as an actress has done nothing that's even sniffed the surface of her performance in Juno. Not to say that anything else she's done is inherently bad. Um, It's just she's absolutely on point in that and in a movie where... The writing and delivery is its faults, and not the acting and you're surrounded by all these powerhouses of acting she yeah. stands out well, and she
1: gets a thankless role again, like we discussed during the episode, where she's not the more the most likable character in yeah. there, even Mark, who's a creep gets gets laughs and gets mm-hmm. the witty lines she's just neurotic and freaking out and kind of annoying, mm-hmm. and the fact that you, she still manages to get some emotion in and and you really especially on second watch, I think you really get to feel for her, so i I'm I'm happy that she gets a nod.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, for all the scenes in that that are just artsy, fartsy, roll your eyes at it, like the closing scene of them playing acoustic guitars together and everything, uh, you brought it up. The scene where she talks to the baby, uh-huh. she's so good in that.
1: Yeah, it, it's complicated because I told you I didn't like the, that, that scene the first time. And then uh, – but i think it's it's such a good payoff and the way that it suddenly like it surprises you that you actually like her character and care her character care for her character so much when mm-hmm. the baby kicks and suddenly she's happy yeah. and you're happy for her i was like oh i thought i didn't like her what happened so that's that's all her performance so uh that's cool uh, my embryos for actress, i have two runners up uh, i went the other way on bullets of broadway i got jennifer tilly Oh, Because she is, I've never seen her in anything else that where she was anywhere near as good as,
0: God, as scene funny with her and Chaz Pomegranate. <laughs> so good. It's called ad-libbing.
1: <laughs> she is great. She was giving a chance there and she just knocked it out of the park. I, um, I'm, I'm really happy. And I think if I was her, I would just be happy that at any point in my life, I can just point back to bullets over photo. and be like I was nominated Ugh. for an Oscar. <laughs> yep. Uh, then this one might irk you. Uh, my second runner-up is Megan Fox in This Is 40. Because I – listen, we can talk shit about the movie, and we did for a long time. But I think Megan Fox actually handles herself well.
0: I, I'm still rolling my eyes.
1: <laughs> she she has one of the few really funny scenes in the movie, which is when she's recounting how long she's being – uh basically she's being an escort and she keeps adding years to the time that she's been doing it. Uh, She is, I think she goes beyond, she manages to go beyond the eye candy role that she's given. You know, it's like, Oh, she's cast as the super hot young girl. That's supposed to be contrast to, uh, to Paul Rudd and
0: uh, uh, Leslie
1: Mann, Mann, Right. But she manages to actually be funny and deliver some good lines. I, I think that I don't want to fault her for being hot. Mm -hmm. she's actually i think megan fox is a fine actress and given the right project she can like do really really well i think in this is 40 she's actually one of the best things in the movie right next to billy joe from green day
0: yeah i was about to say that's fucking. (laughs) i know that's kind of like weak praise yeah
1: but uh but my embryo goes to one of your uh runs up i am all in on nicole kidman from bewitch she is fantastic i had forgotten how good she was until we rewatched it Mm -hmm. and it's just she does everything really well on a role that's really tough because one it would be easy for her to be overshadowed by will ferrell because will ferrell is just so over the top two she's playing somebody that's really naive which it's it's easy to become annoying when your character is just naive and being taken advantage of all the time uh Jason Biggs. And Jason loser. Biggs in our upcoming loser. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so but she pulls it off. She manages well, to be.
0: And on top of that, too, she has to captivate a certain uh Elizabeth Montgomery-esque right. Like quality Right. Because
1: people that are going to watch Bewitch. They're expecting some sort of Bewitch connection beyond the fact that they're uh There's a show called There's Bewitch. a show called Bewitch and they're making a show called Bewitch. But she I think she she takes the torch and she she runs along with it proudly. So she's she's really good. She's really funny. And in the the emotional moments, like we mentioned in the the, the scene with uh, Michael Caine, uh when they talk about love, it's she works. I mean she's a great actress and she just doesn't get to cut loose very often, I guess. Yeah. I when I was uh, looking over her filmography recently, I realized that she was in this movie Lion from mm-hmm. I think last year. I've forgotten that she was in it, you know, and she's so
0: Waller, Dev Patel. <laughs> yes
1: she uh you know she's seen it she's now she's she's at that age where she plays you know moms now and
0: but yeah still i've I, I never really seen her do anything like that
1: right yeah it, it's not really
0: i think the other silly and you fucking assholes we're not going to get it again because you guys all <laughs> you ruined her shit about it
1: yeah uh i think she's kind of silly in australia which we briefly mentioned yeah but that whole movie
0: boz lerman is silly (laughs)
1: he's a silly silly man
0: he's a very silly man (laughs) uh but no i would definitely agree with that Uh, the only reason i went with jennifer garner over that is because um overall juno just rubs me the wrong way but still i come away with so much admiration for her performance so but yeah nicole kidman definitely not a bad pick at all for that before we move into the the embrees and the cannies for best picture um Julio, explain to me, because I think I understood it, <laughs> and I think my answers came to me a bit too easily. So explain to me this new award that we're introducing.
1: Okay, so it seems kind of weird that it took us three years to to have an award that, you know, we have Ethan Embry and we have Scott Kahn. Mm-hmm. But we've easily mentioned Josh Gad far more than we have those two guys together uh, yeah. in the run that we've had so far. Uh, Josh Gad being kind of uh, that hidden gem that not many people know about. A lot of people just write him off. Mm-hmm. And uh if you're like me and uh, slowly I think you're coming to see him the way I do, Alex. Uh he's he's a great actor and an asset. He just sometimes happens to be in bad movies. But so I wanna I wanna institute <laughs> I wanna institute uh the God and the anti god. And these are these are awards that can be left uh you know they don't have to be giving every year because it could happen that we'll go a year where nothing qualifies to be awarded the god or the anti god okay. but uh basically the god is an award that goes to the movie that has a low score but that we really like so if we're looking at our past episodes episodes that are, they're not eligible it would be something like uh the Topher Grace movie. Um, Take Me Home Tonight. Take Me Home Tonight, which was like in the teens, right? Mm-hmm. But we really liked it. Much like Josh Gad, it's a movie that, you know, has a bad rep, but when you watch it, you appreciate it. Okay. Uh, the Antigod obviously would be the opposite, a movie with a high rating that we just do not care for. Like, I'm predicting the upcoming American Hustle <laughs> episode, <laughs> which is in the 90s. I can and, tell you you're going to be right. Yeah. So, American Hustle will probably get The Antigod. Um uh, which is different from the, the embryos and the Connie's because the Embrys and the Connie's are talking more about effort. It ha- it doesn't really factor in that much the, the Rotten Tomatoes percentage, but more about like how engaged was this actor-actress movie with trying to do something and how disengaged was it with trying to do it. How much of an Embry was it? How much of a con was it? But when it, we're talking about the gods and the anti-gods, we're just talking about like how did we enjoy it versus its its score. And okay. like I said, there may be a year where... All the low score movies that we watch, we don't like, and all the high score movies that we watch, we like. I mm-hmm. think it's unlikely based on the Run Tomatoes track record, but it could happen. I, I this year, I have a gad, and I have an anti gad
0: Okay, and the, just I think for year four, we're probably gonna rename the Canny the Rousey. <laughs> I think that's probably what's gonna happen.
1: How do you How do you think uh, Scott Con is gonna feel about that?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he'll care. I was gonna say, what's he up to? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think is that
1: show, Hawaii Five-0, is he, is he in it? That show's still going? I thought it was Chris O'Donnell. What? No, Chris O'Donnell. What
0: am I thinking of? That,
1: that's a great question. What's Chris O'Donnell up to? But I think, I'm pretty sure Scott Conn is in it. Drying the-
0: laundry like Robin and Batman and Robin? <laughs> I guess if I'm going off your criteria and going through the movies that we've done, there was only two I was able to come up with. Uh-huh. For the Gad, the Josh Gad, a, a movie with a shitty review that I thought was good was Bewitched. Uh-huh. And then I mean, I hate to just double up on it and back to back it, but a movie that is really <laughs> well received and I thought was shit was Zero Dark Thirty.
1: <laughs> Alex, maybe this is why we're we're doing this podcast together because I have the exact same pics. <laughs> uh Bewitched, twenty-five percent. It's a great movie yes. that is just almost a crime that it it gets such a bad rep. It mm-hmm. was funny, made us laugh a lot. It has its good emotional moments, great performances. I really, I mean, if you want to hear us rave in detail, you can just listen to the Bewitched episode. But it's yeah. just fucking great. And then Zero Dark Thirty. I mean, I like it better than you do, but it was still. In the 90s, and I did not have that great of a, of a, you know, I think it's like a one-time watch.
0: It's not even that. It's almost the American Hustle thing because there are movies on Rotten Tomatoes that will get, like, 90s ratings that it's just like, whatever. But in going back through all the awards it was nominated for, all the accolades and shit, it's like, this is a boring, heavy-handed movie.
1: It really, like I mentioned in the episode, I think that it, it kind of bogs you down with the research and I understand why, and I, I, I understand it's a process, but it's still, it's not a movie I'm eager to revisit after having watched it twice. Mm-hmm. It's like, after watching it once, I'm like, yeah, maybe I could do this again. And then after watching it a second time, I think I'm good. Yeah. So.
0: Well, that was my thing, too. When I watched it the first time, or when we were going into watching it, I was like, something must have been wrong with me the first time I watched it, <laughs> to feel the way I do about it. And I was like, oh, God, no, it's more boring. <laughs> There's still two hours left.
1: Well, like I think I said in the episode, I, I to me, it's the opposite or, or a different experience. I watched the first time I liked it, and then the second time, I definitely did not care for it that much. Mm-hmm. It, the novelty is gone, and without the novelty, it's it's just a little bit of a chore to get through. It's it's, it's harder to connect. I still like it more than you do, but it's definitely...
0: I it's, like Jessica Jastain a lot. I,
1: I really do, but... Kyle Chandler, hey, represent Austin. Oh,
0: yeah, <laughs> and his badass exit where he just looks at her so disappointed and works off. <laughs> But, yeah, it's so long and disappointing and, like, there's nothing – to tie this into our future episode, Loser, and Roger Ebert's thoughts on that, completely unremarkable.
1: (laughs) I think that's a little too harsh for Zero Dark (laughs) Thirty. I think there's plenty to like in Zero Dark Thirty, but – that's not you know, if you're it's not using a high nineties. Right. If you're using if you're making the mistake of using Rotten Tomatoes the way that they want you to use it, mm-hmm. as in like a guide of quality in a movie Absolutely. or how, how likely you are to like it, ninety four percent it's no, dude, what the hell? You'll I mean, think,
0: Oh, this is like an A plus of a movie. Right.
1: And and the thing is she's made movies that I've enjoyed a lot more. I even just going back to the Hard Locker. Yeah. I, I I think the Hard Locker is much more rewatchable. It better pays. It makes its points more clearly. I think you know. Um,
0: messages it's trying to convey, it does so in a more distinct fashion.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. It even you would say less preachy, maybe you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, still Catherine Bigelow, good director, great director, even. But she's made better movies in Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Um, all right, so so we're back to the Embrys and the counties.
0: We are. For the, we'll be retiring the canny
1: the last the last the last canny the be last canny before it becomes a rousey that's
0: right so let's bring out Tom Hanks it's time for him to get on stage to present um so my runner up for the canny this should come as absolutely zero surprise to anybody but this is 40 uh really really had a passionate dislike for that movie and a almost out of body negative experience watching it back um but for i don't know, i'd probably say this is 40 would be the worst movie we watched just based on my opinion but for the movie that gave the least amount of effort that exuded the least amount of attempt in any way shape or fashion the third year contrarians canny definitely has to go to a good day to die hard <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's just sweeping on your it side. Is,
0: it is, it is. It's Lincoln of its time, man. I'm telling you. Or no, Lincoln didn't sweep. Uh, what it, did? it,
1: it swept the nominations, That's but it right. didn't it didn't really win that much. Uh,
0: it's the artist of <laughs> yes. Remember Jean Dujardin?
1: <laughs> Me neither.
0: <laughs> I was about to say I know who Bruce Willis is. That should speak to how we work.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's the Lord of the Rings of. Uh, what was it Return of the King? The Return of the swept? Kings. Yeah, Return of the Kings. Return of the King. That's Return, of the, the <laughs> Return of the Kangs. Return of the Cannies. Uh, <laughs>
0: but yeah, it, it's just, there's no way around it. It's one of two movies in my life I've ever walked out of in the theater. Um, it was all I could take. <laughs> if Julio and alcohol were not with me while we were watching that, I couldn't have finished it.
1: And Chaz. Don't forget oh, we am had... sorry, yeah,
0: Chaz. We had Chaz there too. And yeah, that was
1: Isn't it crazy how long ago that was and it, it's only been a year? Because jet lag Chaz. Yeah, yeah. Jet like Chaz was submitted to uh to Bruce Willis sleepwalking through two hours of the most B action movie
0: all, that poor Australian bastard all he wanted to do was sleep and then he watched that shitty movie and talked to us in the microphone for fucking two yeah I
1: think one. in a way we're watching American Hustle with him just to atone for having put him because he actually likes it doesn't he? yeah he actually likes it okay so. then he deserves the worst <laughs> that is brought to him uh, all right well I have a uh, once again two runners up for the Connie's and uh, I'm gonna get in in trouble for this but uh, my first runner-up is the wild bunch Ooh. Yeah, which, you know, I mean, listen to the episode. I Overall, I think it's it's an important piece of art and everything. But uh, there is, I think I find a lack of discipline in the filmmaking in that movie. The way it's bloated really kind of gets on my nerves. As I was going through the movies, I found myself thinking back on, on The Wild Bunch and having this negative reaction of, Well, it could be better. (laughs) It should be better. I wish it was better because it has such a great ending and such some really good moments. I just wish it was doing...
0: There's parts that really drag.
1: Right. And I wish it was doing what it did much better because then it would work so well for me. But it doesn't because I feel like... I don't think it's their fault. Like the people there, if anything, I'll blame Peckinpah. I think Mm -hmm. Peckinpah was just kind of he didn't have anybody to tell him to help him shape it and he just ran wild. So I, I that's my runner up. I still think it's a good movie. and I think it's worth watching, but you know, if you're talking about somebody who just kind of, not so much, maybe he, he didn't stop caring, but it was just maybe he, like Scott Conn. He was a little too busy checking his phone in between takes to like realize that the movie was kind of becoming this shapeless blob on its way to a, uh,
0: to a strong it, conclusion. It certainly towards the middle part adapts this identity crisis. The, mm-hmm. the, yeah, it's, yeah, it, there's a lot of meandering. Yeah, yeah.
1: So that's that's an issue. Uh, my second runner-up, a good day to die hard. <laughs> Say no more. Fuck that movie. Fuck it. Yeah, uh, and really fuck Bruce Willis in a way, like because I just hate the fact that he is just so hardcore about. He was so hardcore about defending that movie about getting that movie made, and mm-hmm. I just I feel like he owes everybody, every die hard fan, an apology. An apology because he I made such a big deal about it, and then I just. I'm the protector, and I let them, like, fuck it up. So, yeah. Him, I'm ang- I am i don't really have a problem with anybody else. Even Martin Campbell. I think it's Martin Campbell, right, that directed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's just like he was misguided, and somebody made the mistake of handing him that franchise. Yeah. But, you know, uh, should have gone to McGee. He,
0: he, he, he would have made something better than that. <laughs> yes,
1: at least more lively, yeah. I think. Uh, but my number one, uh, you know, my Connie goes to This Is
0: 40. Oh. Yeah. It just... What can I say? I really, I think that we... Stockholm syndrome. I've worn you down on it.
1: No, no, no. I mean, if you remember, I mean, when we talked that episode, I really wanted to hash it out, mm. right? I wanted to like sort through my feelings and try to figure out why I had reacted so negatively to it and why you had reacted so neg- negatively to it. And uh, I think we reached some conclusions. We We did some soul searching. We tried to figure out like how much of it was our own biases. Yeah. But... When push comes to shove, it's not a good movie, (laughs) and it it thinks it's such a good movie, and that really angers me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, I think that you know, Judd Apatow, in a way, it's just there's that self indulgence of this movie should not be two hours plus, and and there's just that sense of the autobiographical side of it that mm-hmm. just makes it look, it, it feels even ickier. Very this from the guy Benson that, Gallows-esque. Yes. From the guy that brought us, uh, this is 40 and knocked up. I I just want it better. And instead it just, 40 year old virgin is
0: what you meant to say. He said, this is 40. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: 40 year old virgin. I'm sorry. He likes the number 40. I just realized that the
0: knocked up. very Good. also.
1: Yeah. 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 But yeah, it feels like he, it just, he got his head up his ass and just had no idea. Uh, what you know, I don't know. It's like, did he not screen it with anybody? Did anybody, did nobody tell him, hey, this is running too long? This is not really that funny. This is kind of weird. Maybe cut like an, cut hour. Some, an hour, get rid of the supply of your kids because they can't really act. You know, all that stuff. It's like you're pushing too much. Um, so yeah, this is 40 gets a honey as much as I, and I know because I gave him, I gave it a try. I, I put in an effort to really understand it and try to get on its on its wavelength when we watched it and when we talked about it, and it still didn't work. Mm-hmm. It failed miserably. Megan Fox aside. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my Connie for and, movie. And uh,
0: Chris O'Dowd's good in it, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, all the cameos, really. I mean, you know, Albert Brooks, uh, John Lithgow. I, I honestly don't have that much of a, pro- a problem with Leslie Mann. I think just cursed with a terrible role, a terrible part to play, because she's the the party pooper. Yeah. You know, Uh but it it in that case I can I blame entirely Judd Patel for that, and he's done better.
0: He has. So that brings us to the Embry, the most prestigious award in all of film podcasting. Uh, for the third year, of the Contrarians, my Embry. I tried to fight it any way I could, but I really couldn't. Lost in Translation is what I landed on.
1: Really? Oh, that's right. I just I forgot that you were so in fucking love. I with was Lost born
0: Translation. anew. I had seen it. <laughs> Uh, once before and found it to be extremely overrated and I think that may have just been my mental state or my age or what have you at the time but uh, yeah I was absolutely smitten with this movie the second time around and there was aside from the veiled sense of xenophobia that we joked about when we recorded (laughs) there's it's it's there that's the story like uh, that's part of the story I Uh should say it's not it's not a filmmaker projecting there's these (laughs) anti-Japanese views onto you know us but it's uh that's part of the story and it's one that i just it felt like i was watching something incredible for the first time even though i had seen it before so there was really nothing else i could uh come close to rationaling with that that being said um can't gush enough about bewitched uh that thing you do which i think kind of underperformed in the candies and the embrees this year uh well because it was it was a heavy favorite
1: yeah it was it got all the nominations none of the awards uh It's almost like it's just so good. It's a it,
0: movie that's as good as you remember it when right, you watch it. Right, exactly.
1: So it's just, you know, if we ever have like a special that thing you do award, it would be for the movie that it aged perfectly. <laughs> and uh yeah, that thing you do was we just had a great time watching it like yeah. like every time we've watched it before. So
0: yeah, I mean there's aside from this is 40 and the good day to die hard. There's nothing we've watched that I really felt like I wasted my time doing.
1: Yeah. I was going down through our list of, of stuff that we watched. I was like, man, we had a pretty good year. Uh, yeah. as far as like watching stuff, we mostly liked all of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, that said, I have my, my embryos might be a little controversial, uh, for movies. I mean, my two runners up, my first runner up is, uh, the entourage movie, which I mean, talk about movies that at least one of us didn't enjoy. <laughs>
0: What's wrong with you, man?
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing. I don't think it's a good movie, but I truly believe that the people involved in making it are are putting an effort. You know? They really... They, they, they promised their fans a movie, and they made a movie for their fans. Mm-hmm. There are people that followed that show for eight seasons, seven seasons, however, and then they got a movie that reflected what that show was. And, you know... That's good. You you can't really accuse any of them other than Ronda Rousey, of (laughs) of not really working at least as hard as they were working in the in the TV show. Jeremy Piven, you know, is really doing his best, and uh, you know all the other guys. I haven't really seen them in anything else, but as it's not, they could have easily just sat back and said, "Well, the people that watch the show are going to come watch the movie, so why even try?" Mm -hmm. But I think that they they made an effort it's just that what they did is not that great but i don't think it's their fault but it was like they, a
0: literal big screen translation of the tv
1: right movie. yeah but it was just like listen it's an entourage movie what did you expect mm-hmm. and uh, at least it it wasn't worse than what i expected mm-hmm. which could have it could have been so on that sense you know i'll, I'll give him props for that uh eddie's applauding yeah he's, he's really like his tears. He's just like dabbing at his eyes. It's <laughs> yeah. the
0: fucking Chris Pine cry from the Oscars two years ago.
1: <laughs> He's let his beer grow just so he can have that. Uh, my second runner up is a chorus line because I think that – well, I think the people on stage – not uh, Mike Douglas, but the people on stage. The actual actors. Yes. I think that those actors are betrayed by a movie that did not care for the musical part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like when they we, we kept joking about them cutting away from the musical numbers, it feels like a bit of a slap in the face for the actors that were putting on an effort there. Uh, <laughs> that
0: literally used their headshots for their credits <laughs> at the end. Yes.
1: So I think and, – and overall – it did something. I, you know, we we had it as a as a low score. It it was it's it's percentage in rotten tomatoes is low. I don't remember how much it was, but it's. I think it it's trying hard. It just you know, it's not as good an adaptation as it should have been. But yeah. I'll be like, I'll give you props for for at least trying. That's
0: definitely an out of left field pick, but I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but not as out of left field. as my actual Embry, which goes to Ian Flux because that movie's shit. It's, it's terrible. It's a gigantic mess. In in a way, I think the filmmakers add their head up their asses the same way that you Judd Apatow is
0: worse than Reindeer Games.
1: Yes, but you cannot accuse them of not trying. They're they're just trying too much. They're like I was saying, their their heads are up their asses in in almost the opposite way that Judd Apatow's head is up his ass. In his mind, he's just you know the Apatow case. He's just doing this autobiographical thing that doesn't matter to anybody but him. Yeah, right. And here. These guys are just so into their world that they've created that they forget that we don't know about it, and uh, you know, Apetel's mistake is that he assumes that because he care because he cares, we are gonna care mm-hmm. about his family and their, their problems. Ion Flux forgets that we don't know, we're not familiar with this world, so he just keeps throwing like crazy stuff at us. And I can acknowledge the work on that that, that was put into that. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a. Uh, if you talk to the people that made AM Flux, they can tell you why every single thing that happens in that movie happens, and why it looks like that, and why it was shot like that. You know, and you'd be like, "I wish that was in the movie," <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's not, and that makes it a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I can my hats off for the effort. I mean, God knows it couldn't have been easy. No. And uh, I remember we quoted the 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 creator of the MTV show being all butthurt because yeah. his, his vision was not translated or whatever. But uh, I don't envy I don't envy the job of people that had to, to adapt Eon Flux and then found themselves with just this wealth of material <laughs> and then had to do something about it. And, you know, especially because, like we talked at the time, we know that, uh, oh, man, I don't remember her name, but the director, I mean, she's made better movies than that. Mm-hmm. So even... Uh, Charlie Starren has made better movies than that.
0: Ranger Games <laughs> R-
1: Ranger Games. So I'll I'll give him the Embry because just A for effort. Interesting. Effort. <laughs>
0: Interest <laughs> interesting choice.
1: Yeah, I figure I'll go with a little uh, out of left field pick. Just- I think
0: I, I think I picked the, the highest rated one, so I come across <laughs> as the asshole in this scenario. Uh but yeah, that does it for year three as we embark into year four. Um just for you all, faithful listeners, that is a format change.
1: We we haven't really talked about year four, as far as like, well, actually we do. We have. You brought up, you floated the idea of doing a a, a remakes arc, mm-hmm. which I think that's a great idea.
0: Uh, we'll just have to nail down which ones we're gonna do. Right? Yeah,
1: we're three years in. We still haven't done a Disney movie.
0: It'd be so hard to do.
1: I know. That's what you say every time mm-hmm. I bring it up. But but. We're three years in. I think that we we got the chops by now to, to <laughs> yeah. do it.
0: Um, but, yeah, this time next year, it will be the Embrys and the Rouseys. And the Rouseys. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's right. We, I think she'll be flattered. No,
0: she's, she's, she hasn't <laughs> much else going on right now. So.
1: <laughs> she, yeah, knock on the door and kick our
0: asses. And she's on I, her way to WWE. Oh, is she? If I can figure out how to stop her takedown, she's done. So. <laughs> um. I...
1: I can talk shit about Ronda Rousey, but I'm hundred percent sure she can kick my ass. Oh yeah, she it, could
0: kill me. Yeah, but I'm not a professional fighter. So <laughs> when she actually fought a fully trained professional fighter twice, she got her ass kicked. So that being said, it's been a fun ride thus far. Uh, as we mentioned and made a allusion, allusion to, excuse me, on the uh, this episode, our, our the one you'll get after this will be the loser, and then we'll follow it up with big and wrapping up into episode number fifty. With of course American Hustle, which
1: no, no, no. Remember, Hustle is a fifty-one. Oh, 50, yeah. Fifty is uh, uh, crap. The Wachowski brothers, um, not Jupiter Ascending.
0: Oh, the movie Cloud that Atlas.
1: Cloud Atlas. That will... you lent me like two years ago. Exactly. And I watched. You'll finally watch it. I finally get my DVD back, and uh, and, and then all fifty-one. Will be well, yeah. Fifty-one is uh, uh, American Hustle. Um, I have I have anniversary plugs because they're anniversary-related. Uh, first off, our friends from uh, Nacion Combi, that Peruvian podcast that we mentioned a while ago, mm-hmm. they've made it to their 100th episode, because those fuckers put out an episode every week. Good uh, God. I know. It's like, can you imagine the stress? <laughs> no. Uh, granted, they don't have to watch a movie for every episode, but they talk about current events, which is probably more work yeah. than uh, than actually watching a movie and talking about it. Uh So congratulations, by now they're on episode 102, I think. And by the time that this episode comes out, they'll probably be on 103 or 104. Well done. Uh, But yeah, congratulations, guys. Good job. I'm sure you'll make it to like 1,000 before we do. Way before we do. (laughs) Uh, At that rate, yeah. Uh, My second plug is uh, I went to see Rent, the musical. Nice. uh, This past weekend, they stopped in Austin. And obviously by the time that we put this episode up, they'll be gone from Austin to like somewhere else on their tour, it's the 20th anniversary tour, and it is fantastic. Alex, uh, my love for Rent has been uh, talked about a little bit when we did the Chris Columbus episode, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I ex- expressed my extreme displeasure with the Chris Columbus adaptation of the of the musical. Uh, I've always had a very very special connection with that show, and uh, seeing it, I don't know if you saw my Facebook, but I, I said that watching this. Version of it, this this staging of it was kind of like watching the Blu-ray Criterion <laughs> version when you've only seen your favorite movie on VHS. Mm-hmm. The, I, was, I was at such good seats and it seemed to me, because I haven't seen it, like the last time I saw it on stage was years ago. Like at least ten years ago, it seemed to me like the the lighting was different. The lighting was different, the, and the, there was a lot of like the performances that were directed a different way that made it. It just gave it like a different texture. It was just such a good experience, and I I really I wasn't kidding. I was I spent ninety percent of the show just kind of like wiping my tears away. I wasn't like full on crying, but yeah. I just kept tearing up, and not even tearing up at sad parts. I mean, there were sad parts obviously in the show, but then it was just sometimes. I don't know how often it happens to you, but it'll happen to me where uh, I'll watch something that's just so well done mm-hmm. that it hits me so hard that I actually tear up, mm-hmm. you know, when it's something that just clicks and uh, you just, I guess, appreciating beauty, yeah. right? And that was like that entire show. Every number would come. And I know that show front and back, so I can quote every song and everything. And it was just, they were playing it and they were hitting all the right notes. And I just kept, uh, I was there with my fiance and, and a friend of ours. And uh, I just kept, like, in between songs, I just, like, wiping my eyes. (laughs) I was like, I really don't want to ask any questions about, like, are you crying when this is, when it wasn't, like, a sad thing in the movie? And then have to go into, like, it's just so beautiful. (laughs) That's why I'm so crying. Uh, But anyway, it was, I had a great time. If you have the chance of of going and seeing Rent on this 20th anniversary tour, do so because it's so worth it. unless you're one of those people that don't like rent in which case why are you <laughs> why would you go but but if you like the show it's definitely worth whatever money you have to spend to get uh, a good seat and just watch the watch the performance it's it was really good
0: excellent well it's been a fun three years here's to at least three more
1: oh you know what we have coming up on year four what a new logo yes yes we're working on it there will be a new contrarians logo
0: so hopefully the criterions uh, don't Send a cease and desist. Yeah, we, we can feel
1: the Criterion collection like breathing down our necks. So uh, much like at some point we felt uh, George Lucas breathing down our neck.
0: Every time I go to the Barnes & Noble sale for the past three years, I can see the, the agent in the suit reaching in his coat pocket and I have to get out of there really quick. So. He's here. He's here.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think after three years we're due for... for oh,
0: yeah. We need an upgrade for yeah new logo. Uh, But, yeah, lots to come in year four. Should be exciting times. Uh, It's been fun thus far. We will continue to be right. You will continue to be wrong. And we thank you all for listening.
1: Hey guys do you have a screenplay you need feedback on well you are in luck i julio the half of the contrarians that speaks with an accent i'm doing official screenplay coverage now and if you're a listener of the show you'll get a discount just email we are the contrarians at gmail.com and tell us which is your favorite episode of the podcast and why turn around it's about two weeks and you'll get detailed notes that are even more thorough than what we do in the show although it'll also be less funny For more information, email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com or visit our website wearethecontrarians.com and click on the Julio Reads Your Scripts link.
0: Your voice is beautiful.